Dein Triathlon Show 267. Hey, hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and I hope that 2021 is off to a great start for you. Today's guest on the podcast is Robert Gorgos, who is the team nutritionist of Bora Hanskroe Cycling Team, which is a world tour level team based in Germany. In this interview, uh, Robert discusses his role and responsibilities as the team nutritionist, and uh, generally speaking, how cyclists at the highest level approach nutrition in racing, training, and in their day-to-day. One thing that I want to mention about this interview is that at the time of us conducting the interview, Robert wasn't sure if he was actually allowed to say which team he worked for. So when we talk in the interview, we don't actually mention Boda Hans Grohe, but beat around the bush a bit, uh, to be frank. And only after the interview was done, uh, could Robert confirm to me that it was okay to mention the team name as well, uh, which uh, I personally think is very important to get some more context. So I'm happy with that. But anyway, if it sounds a bit secretive at times in the interview, this is the reason why. And uh, now after the fact, we have confirmed that it is no issue at all to mention Boda Hans Grohe as the, the team that Robert is working for. But before we get into the interview, big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. And since today's topic is around World Tour cycling teams, Precision Hydration is uh, sponsoring Team Sunweb, who had great success in 2020 when the racing season finally started again after uh, the break due to the pandemic and achieved many great performances as a team and as individuals. Precision Hydration's electrolytes can be matched to your individual sweat sodium concentration and you can get a good estimate for how much sodium you lose in your sweat by getting a free hydration plan on precisionhydration.com, which is very easy. You will just answer 10 questions, they will take you a few minutes and that will give you a validated estimate for how much sodium you lose so that you can then get the right electrolyte strength to use in your training and racing. You can get 15% off your Precision Hydration order with the promo code DATTRIATHLONSHOW15. And thank you to Roka that you can find on roka.com. We're in a new year with new opportunities and hopefully that includes many more opportunities than the previous year to do some racing when the racing season rolls around. And with that in mind, if you are looking for an upgrade in your racing gear department, things like wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, sunglasses then Roka is absolutely the place to go. For example, a tri-suit and wetsuit combo is absolutely perfect because both of those product lines have Roka's patented arms-up technology so that you will swim with uh, absolutely minimal shoulder mobility restriction and you can benefit from the great buoyancy profiles of Roka's wetsuits and uh, as well as the great aerodynamics of their tri-suits on the bike. You can get 20% off your entire Roka order with the promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS. Now, without any further ado, let's get into the interview with Robert Corgos. Welcome to That Triathlon Show, Robert. How are you doing today? I'm pretty well. Uh, weather is nice. I went on a short morning run already and I'm happy to be here. <laughs> 
Yeah, the morning run run sounds good. I'm waiting to do my brick workout later later today, so excited for that. Uh, before we get into the main questions we have today, let's start by you introducing yourself to the audience. Uh, who are you and uh, what's your background and your current roles and line of work? Yeah, my name is Robert, Robert Gorgosch. Uh, I'm from Bavaria in Germany. Uh, I'm a, a nutritionist uh, with a diploma degree at the Technical University of Munich. Uh, I'm 44 years old. I'm a cyclist myself. I still do mountain bike and cyclocross racing. And I work for a professional bike team uh, since four years and also since four years for a Bundesliga soccer team. Uh, I also coach some athletes concerning nutrition, but also concerning training mostly uh, mountain bikers, cyclists, and also uh, one triathlete, some uh, backcountry skiers, runners. So this is my current role. I'm self-employed and I always try to find uh, new ways to coach and, and uh, yeah, teach uh, nutrition and training to, to athletes. Yeah. So the context in which uh, you were introduced to me was through your work with uh, a World Tour cycling team. Uh, so, uh, so I'm probably going to answer most of the questions today from from that specific context within your work within uh, within the cycling world and specifically professional cycling at the World Tour level. Uh, but with that said, you have a lot of things going on. So, so this next question uh, maybe you can answer in, in different ways, but. Uh, what does a typical workday look like for you uh, when when working with the cycling team? Yeah, it's it's pretty different. It, uh, it depends on, like uh, you said, it's a different different roles in different periods. Right now, uh, there's still racing going on in professional cycling. Right now, we have three races uh, parallelly running. We have the the Giro in the last week, we have the Vuelta that starts today and we have uh, still one race in Belgium that is tomorrow. And all those races are uh, accompanied by a chef from our team. One chef at the Giro cooks in the kitchen truck. One chef cooks in a kind of random kitchen in, in Spain because the, the, uh, yeah, regulations concerning COVID are very strict. And uh, one chef is in Belgium. So I kind of coach those uh, chefs and tell them uh, what to cook. Uh, we we measure the amounts. We, we think what is available. We think what makes sense concerning weather, concerning the race itself, concerning the riders that are uh, running or, or doing the race. Uh, second thing is uh, the coaching group. I'm in, I'm in contact with the coaching group. So whenever there's something special with a particular rider that has problems, that is gaining or losing weight, that doesn't have enough energy in the race, we just talk and try to find a solution, for example, concerning race nutrition, race feeding, after race uh, feeding. Yeah. and. Um, the third role is at the moment also uh, concerning next year. We try to find uh, 
optimization for all kind of things uh, concerning nutrition and we have some ideas for next season already um maybe it's a little bit different in a training camp in a training camp uh i actually accompany the rider riders on the rides because i'm still myself a cyclist and it's a perfect way to talk to the riders on the bike they kind of loosen up and they talk about uh, nutrition about training about their their concerns and their if they have questions and um so that's a good thing and sometimes in the evenings we have meetings we present new ideas uh we we show them what would be perfect in a training situation for example for an easy ride for an intensity ride all these kind of things during a stage race um it's all kind of things it's helping the the cook or the the chef in the kitchen itself i also work in the kitchen i talk to the riders i talk to the physios what to prepare for the race we make a plan a feeding plan for the race um but i'm also a helper uh, means that i just uh, feed on the on the race course with bottles or food so it's all kind of things uh, what uh, needs to be done all right perfect and and during the base training phase when we get into sort of december january but outside of training camps do you have any particular uh, like typical work day then or what what is your role within the team then yeah that's a phase when we make uh, orders uh, we have a big service course where we stock uh, race food stock normal food and we try to optimize everything concerning those things so i need to organ it's more kind of logistics so i i we fix the kitchen truck we we try to get new products from our sponsors try them out uh we negotiate with the sponsors we yeah i make suggestions what what kind of products we might need um it's a, a phase when we have lots of calls within the the coaching group and uh try to optimize all kind of yeah things concerning training and nutrition yeah and i'm sure that uh, in your general day to day you also need to stay on top of what the latest nutrition science yeah. that's coming out yeah. says so so how how do you do that do you have any particular habits or routines around staying on top of these things yeah i always reserve about it depends maybe half an hour to two hours in the morning sometimes or most of the times before breakfast or after morning run or something just to to browse and and look at some studies and, and and read emails and read newspapers or or magazines and and try to get the the yeah the the actual uh new topics concerning nutrition or i i, I talk to the trainers or a trainer calls me and we discuss yeah that's kind of a routine all right perfect uh what are you mentioned having been with uh, the team for four years yeah. you said yeah what, what are some things that have changed in uh, regard to nutrition uh, throughout your time there as a direct or indirect result of your work um i think it it hasn't changed that much 
but uh, maybe one topic that is getting more and more important and also interesting and that we really try to feed the kind of maximum amount of carbohydrates per hour uh, during the races. And um, normally we, we, yeah, we, we aimed for around, let's say, 60 to 80 grams per hour. And now it's, we try to feed a little bit more. Um, other teams go are, even, are you aiming for 90 grams per hour or yeah. are you aiming for even more than that yeah we aim around for 80 to 90 grams per hour and other teams um, aim even higher but this for sure needs some training like training of the gut um, and this will be a project for next year to find out what is the yeah, highest possible amount of carbohydrates that are digestible in a race situation per rider per hour. Um, I think this is the, maybe the, yeah, a, a new approach. And, um, I think this is really important, especially for the, for the heavier riders, for the sprinters in a stage race, for example, it's uh, about, yeah, winning or losing a race. So. Yeah, I would say this is a good goal. And we, from the beginning on, we try to go pretty high, but maybe it's possible to go even higher. Maybe this is the biggest change. And the second thing that is pro probably new or will be new that we will try to even more in detail analyze the data and see how much energy concerning carbs and fats they burn during training and racing and try to adapt the food exactly to that so this will be a yeah a new way of of like individualizing nutrition so this is a big goal and we will have to see how we yeah can make this uh yeah make this yeah. this okay for the riders because that's a big thing it's not not for everyone and we have to talk a lot to the riders also from a psychological side what are the main challenges of uh, that tracking and, and matching the exact uh, energy and macronutrient needs it's actually not that big of a challenge i mean you have uh, in cycling it's pretty easy you have the power meter data um, with some other data from the riders that we have you can exactly analyze the the amounts of uh amount of energy burned and the amounts of carbs and fats and uh, then you have to adjust that in, in nutrition it's not that hard i think the harder part is like to 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 make the whole team believe in this and make the whole team also um, supporting this idea mm, yeah if we talk a little bit about the day-to-day -day nutrition, so now we're talking about in training periods, not, not during stage races yeah. or the like, uh, can you talk a little bit more about the, generally, about the energy demands and uh, and the frequency of, of food intake and so on of uh, these World Tour cyclists that you're working with? Yeah. Um, I don't think it's it's the same for everyone. But uh, meaning uh, meal frequency and meal choice. But I would say a normal training day in the in the base period uh, would be between three and six hours. And if you count the, 
also depending on the intensity of the ride. If you count in between five and 800 calories per hour, so you get a good idea of what the uh, the turnover for the day would be. So for example, if, if a rider does four hours with some intensity, he would probably have uh, energy demand in between four and a half and 5,000 uh, uh, calories for that day because he burns around 2,000 without in his normal life and around uh, two and a half to 3,000 in the, in the training itself. So he would probably have a uh, uh, breakfast also depending on the on the training goal that could be like porridge uh, with with some nuts maybe with fruit maybe an omelet maybe one or two slices of bread um also individually like with maybe some jam or some ham or something like this maybe an avocado we would try to make the uh, the rider eat properly during training. And this is also something that is uh, pretty outstanding in professional cycling. They really feed well during training, maybe in, in opposite to like an amateur rider that always try to, to train hungry, I have, I have a feeling. So they really f f uh, fuel properly during the ride. And then depending on the schedule, have maybe a recovery shake or something after the ride, a smaller lunch, maybe a salad and some pasta or so, and a normal dinner consisting of vegetables, some meat or fish and rice or potatoes, maybe a small dessert. Pretty pretty standard, I would say. But still focusing on real food, on good quality food, maybe if possible organic food, um, not so much from a restaurant, but cooked at home and with, with good quality ingredients. I think this is what we really push in the riders. Mm, yeah. Just, uh, well, well-balanced, yeah. a well-balanced diet overall. It yeah. sounds like Yeah. in, in the training itself, when you say that they're really good at fueling, uh, would that mean that they're basically trying to fuel, uh, with as much as their race, uh, fueling plan? So. 80 to 90 grams per hour or is it a bit less depending on the workout yeah. uh, and and how do they fuel is it always with similar like with gels or sports drinks or things they will be using in the race or in normal training rides will they also use things like bananas or more sort of whole food so to say uh, for their fueling yeah yeah exactly the, normally it's also uh, it is very dependent on the on the uh, training intensity and for sure only uh, a few rides in a training period are aimed at 80 to 90 grams per hour of carbohydrates and most are more in the region i would say of 40 to 60 grams especially the the base endurance training and they would fuel with um, normal food like some some like to make kind of porridge uh, cake some like rice cakes or normal bars or even a sandwich, bananas, uh, a lower carbohydrate drink. Some would stop at a bakery and buy something there. Pretty normal, I would say. All right. And uh, in in the nutrition, do you have any sort of macronutrient distribution goals or guidelines for, for how they fuel during this training period? Yes, we we... 
I would say we we aim for a higher carbohydrate uh, diet also in the base training period. Um, we try to just manage the training load, and for a special training load, they need a um, special or a distinctive amount of carbohydrates, and this is what we try to achieve. And if they want, or if the goal is to lose weight, for example, it's not by reducing carbohydrate, but just by reducing energy density. We have some rides um, that are intended to be like um, train low rides for some athletes. And those can be specially like modified concerning carbohydrate amounts at certain times. But this is not like the standard procedure. It would be maybe once in a week or once in two weeks or controlled in a training camp. Um, but generally, it's, it's a pretty, I, would, I don't know if you can say standard, but you would say like a higher carbohydrate diet uh, the whole year. Mm. Roughly, do you have uh, grams per kilo body weight you're aiming for or or a percentage distribution, like you're getting 65% carbohydrate or, or yeah. any sort of quantitative data around that? Yeah. Mm. I would say we are in the range of around uh, 55 to 65% carbohydrate. Maybe in a super long stage, it gets even a little bit higher because they feed a lot during the, the race and they this, this feeding is normally pretty low in fat. And uh, the rest divides like maybe we also depending on the energy demand, it's probably around 15, yeah, maybe one or two percent higher percent of uh, protein and the leftover is fat. Maybe in the base training period, it's a little bit higher in fat and a little bit lower in carbohydrate, but not that much. Mm. And you mentioned there uh, with weight or body composition uh, goals that you might reduce energy density. Can you explain what that what that means uh, specifically? Yeah. Energy density is, is a measurement um, that describes the amount of kilocalories per 100 gram of food. Like, for example, chocolate has a pretty high energy density. It has 500 something calories of, uh, uh, per 100 gram of product. So the energy density is 5 or 5.5 or 5.8. And the energy density of for example, vegetables is pretty low because it's only 20 calories per 100 gram. So the energy density is 0.2. And if uh, if the goal is to feel satisfied and feel full and ingest a certain amount of food volume, because this is what actually your gut like realizes, then a good idea is to think about the energy density of food. So the higher the water content of a food, the lower normally the energy density. So if you focus on, let's say, vegetables, fruit, potatoes, uh, rice, um, good uh, low-fat meat or fish, um, um, beans, lentils, these are all good examples for food that are good uh, nutrient, uh, that have a good nutrient value, but still are pretty low in energy density. And this is kind of the... Yeah, the way to go to feel 
full satisfied have enough nutrients and don't overdo the energy intake mm, perfect and uh, when you have this like you're trying to lose body weight are there any other considerations that you take for example roughly how much of a bigger caloric deficit would you aim for and and also would you have any changes in the macronutrients like increasing protein intake or anything like that yeah it also depends on the rider on the on the type of 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 uh yeah muscles and 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 the personal preferences but a good idea is not to go over 10 or 15 percent of uh, deficit per day so we, for example if he needs or he burns let's say 5,000 calories it would not be a good idea to go below 4,002 or 4,300 calories and if you to, um, if you manage to be in this slight energy deficit you can lose some body fat maybe with a focus on enough protein in the diet you can also manage to not lose muscle and still your body doesn't adapt concerning the thyroid or the metabolism because it doesn't really recognize a huge energy deficit if you would go like let's say to three thousand or two and a half thousand calories your body would maybe in a, an amount of of weeks it also depends on on the met, uh, specific metabolism of the rider would adapt and would slow down the metabolism would also like burn some some muscle and yeah if in worst case burn some immune proteins and would actually suffer and this would not be the right way so a slight energy deficit good energy uh, good uh, nutrient quality uh, enough proteins let's say in the range of between 1.7 and maybe 2 grams per kilograms uh, body weight uh, would be the way to go i think mm, yeah and do you have a guideline for how much weight it is uh, reasonable to lose for example per week in a healthy and sustainable way i would probably be also depending on the on the uh pre-situation or, or the the amount of body fat to to be lost i would say it would be maximum half a kilo of body fat per week yeah what would be a typical body fat percentage of the world tour riders that's for sure under 10 percent, and in some riders is in the range of five percent so somewhere in yeah. that range right do your riders do any tracking and monitoring themselves of uh, for example of course as you mentioned we have power meters so it's very easy to track expenditure yeah. in that way yeah. uh well one question in terms of expenditure do you have how do you measure the the basal metabolic rate of the riders do you have do you do that or do you just estimate it and then the second question is uh, do your riders actually track what they're eating and yeah. measure it and and upload it somewhere or report to you how does that work yeah we actually it is of course possible to measure the basic metabolic rate but it's also a little bit different from day to day and uh, so we do not measure that particularly it's more of an estimation and we know our riders pretty well most riders are in the team for longer than one year so we can estimate that pretty exactly and 
um, the tracking also is individually. So some riders do track, most riders don't. I think they get a pretty good feeling for. We have some 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 rough guidelines. What like special or specific amount of carbohydrates look like? Um, we have some kind of uh, yeah, let's say learning, or we do some kind of learning how to estimate or pretty exactly estimate how much energy is in a in a whole meal or in a plate. So some riders do track anyways, but most riders don't. Yeah, yeah. And what about during the stage races? We talked a little bit about that, but maybe you can go into a little bit more of what what it looks like, for example, with the meals surrounding the race itself. Uh, how what kind of breakfast are the riders having before the races? When are they having it, and so on? And also, of course, how do they then refuel after the race? Yeah. Um, so this is, I would say, is pretty standard. Uh, we try to feed the riders three hours before the start. So if the start is at 12 o'clock, breakfast normally is between, let's say, 8.30 and 9.30. Um, it always is porridge, is every day, just uh, plain porridge, maybe with some spices. Um, then we have some kind of smoothie, we have a fruit plate, we have always something with eggs some riders like omelets other like cooked eggs or scrambled eggs um, we always serve some kind of good quality bread with some cheese or ham with uh, organic jam and honey uh, nut butters um, some riders like to eat rice or pasta for breakfast uh, mostly plain with just olive oil and salt Maybe a little of parm little bit of Parmesan cheese, and of course coffee. Some riders drink tea, especially in the cold races. Things like ginger tea or something like this. Um, yeah, that's a pretty standard uh, breakfast. Sometimes avocado, some nuts, uh, dried fruit. Just pretty, I would say, food that you can buy anywhere in the world. Hmm. Um, then. Um, during the race, also depending on the stage itself and on the profile, it's a mixture of liquid carbohydrates and solid carbohydrates. So sport drinks and rice cakes, bars, gels, um, after the ride, it's a recovery shake and later in the team bus, um, yeah, some, some kind of starchy food like rice or pasta or potatoes with some pesto and maybe a little bit of cheese, maybe some fruit. And for dinner, it also depends on the season. It depends on the weather. It's a, maybe a small salad or a smoothie, some kind of vegetable soup. Um, always some kind of fish or, or meat with vegetables and mostly potatoes and of course, pasta, rice with different sauces and maybe a small dessert. Then we have a, a food room where the rider can, if he's still hungry or wants to eat later or earlier, he can choose from deck just normal snack food like muesli, energy bars, fruit, yogurt, things like that. Mm. And can you go into some of the like typical energy uh, contents of these different meals like how much yeah. are you aiming to to get in for breakfast yeah. and for the 
recovery shake yeah. and the team bus yeah. food and so on yeah of course the biggest meal is uh, breakfast and dinner i would say it's in between 1500 and 2000 maybe sometimes even a little bit more kilocalories and um, during the ride depending on the stage it's around yeah three to four hundred calories per hour after the stage the recovery shake is also again three to four hundred calories and then in the bus it's somewhere in between i would say eight and twelve hundred calories kilocalories uh, breakfast and dinner just to clarify each of those, yeah. those is fifteen hundred to two thousand yeah each of those yeah yeah so the total caloric intake for the day would be roughly how much also depending on the length of the stage and the intensity what would be in the range of five to eight thousand kilocalories all right um and and they're during the stage race we already mentioned a little bit but they're the carbohydrate proportion would be slightly higher because you get in a lot during the race yeah. so you were talking about maybe 65 percent carbohydrates for the day yeah. or so yeah. yeah all right um then a few other questions uh you already mentioned a little bit about how you maybe once per week or every other week do a uh, a low glycogen training uh, a follow-up question on that would be do you also do how do you do that specifically do you have a an intense session the, the night before and then you don't eat carbohydrates or do you actually actively deplete glycogen stores before that or is it just a normal fasted ride and then how long might that be and and how much if anything are you taking in during it yeah so we normally do not do fasted trainings it's exactly how you said you do like a medium intensity ride the day before you try to not refuel the carbohydrates or just moderately fuel this ride. Try to not have a high carbohydrate uh, meal after the ride or later in the day. And then start with like a low carbohydrate breakfast that is a little bit higher in protein and fat and uh, go on a really easy ride and ingest like low amounts of carbohydrates uh, maybe also some kind of slow release carbohydrates during the ride sometimes but that's what, what does a low amount mean would, would it be 30 grams per hour yeah even, like even less 20 grams per hour 20 to yeah in that range around 20 to 30 grams per hour mm. and uh, sometimes we also yeah it is also possible to go like to have some kind of proteins in your bottle um or just eat nuts or something like this but normally we would do like a um yeah a lower carbohydrate ingestion from only slow release carbohydrates and after the ride you would uh, refuel normally and is this something you do very regularly so no once every week or every other week or is it just specific periods of the season it's just specific periods of the season and also dependent on the rider and the goals so uh, what what type of rider would be doing this and what type <laughs> of rider would not be doing this i mean you have to always see what is the goal of this so the goal of this is, is to improve the the fat burning capacity um so if this is the goal then you could do this yeah and especially in the early phase of the season in the preparation for longer races uh, typically, if you have a very small rider and he's, uh, yeah, 
instable with infections and stuff, then you should be careful with this. Mm. How does size play a role in this? Um, I mean, normally the higher the muscle mass, um, the the more robust the, the the rider is. And normally if more kind of a sprinter uh, uh, builds lactic acid uh, quicker. So if the goal is to to improve his uh, aerobic capacity or his, no better say, his base uh, capacity and his uh, lower his his uh, lactate building rate, then this could be a way. Yep. Um, let's see here. So another question then. Uh, you mentioned that already that many of these riders, they, they already like do a lot of things very well. Apparently, that's the, the sort of what I'm hearing at least. But are there any common mistakes that you see cyclists at this level uh, might do when it comes to their nutrition mm. yeah probably mistake uh, number one would be to not fuel enough during a race mm. in in const for example for a super easy stage and not being really hungry or not feeling the the desire to ingest uh, a lot of carbohydrates this could be a problem and uh yeah sometimes uh i i'm i'm not a big fan of the combinations they use for example for breakfast what kind of specific food they they uh, they they use but that's also very individually but overall as you said they're in a pretty good way and especially in in the team we have a very good system of of quality food timing of food uh yeah uh different types of food like uh it's not the same all the time so i think they're pretty spoiled actually mm. <laughs> well just out of curiosity what are some combinations that you or one combination that that you mentioned that you don't like so much <laughs> that, that you see them using is like nutella and peanut butter no it's more like uh it's like yeah really small details for example if you have a dinner with with a good uh, source of iron like a steak or so and after that you eat like yogurt for example it's not perfect because the milk uh, protein could like uh, uh yeah interfere with the iron. In, in, inhibit the iron absorption. In, inhibit the iron absorption just like details like this yeah yeah all right um what what do you think might be some some changes we might see in the next five years or so in uh, in your team and in general in the pro peloton when it comes to to nutrition what what do you think is on the horizon i think feeding of carbohydrates will be even higher than this now so there will be for sure a goal to go to 100 or more grams per per hour per rider i think this will be the the a change and um yeah more and more teams will have a kitchen truck just to to uh to manage the demands of of hygiene and and quality and and timing and amounts of food um i just heard from the giro that the teams that are not uh, eating in a kitchen truck are really 
yeah, have some some concerns concerning the virus now, and this I think will be a big change. I think most most uh, world tour teams will have a kitchen truck in the future. Mm. When it comes to consuming more carbohydrates during the races, uh, so you said that all this is something that for sure requires some gut training. Yeah. Uh, and we also know about, uh, at least we know some things, but maybe we don't know everything yet about the combination of types of carbohydrates, yeah. like high glucose and, and fructose yeah. ratios. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what what do you think? Is it ju- just a matter of really like training yeah. training the gut and, and you can achieve that? Or is there are there still things other than that that maybe science needs to figure out for it to really be realistic for for most riders to be able to to absorb that amount of carbohydrates yeah normally your 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 gut is able to uh, digest around 60 maybe maximum 80 grams per hour of one single carbohydrate so glucose for example and with as you said with the combination or with the addition of fructose or maybe even a, a third or fourth type of carbohydrate for example a special fruit or so it's possible to ingest more than that per hour um, but i think it's also individually some riders do not have any problems with ingesting that high amount of carbohydrates even during super high intensity like in a race others do have problems so it has to be treated individually but normally science and also in practice is a combination of different types of carbohydrates that can uh, or make this higher uh, ingestion even or possible at all mm, yeah uh, is there some area that you're currently very fascinated by and learning more about within within nutrition and maybe starting to implement more and more yeah it's probably exactly that one <laughs> i think uh there are some some interesting studies that show that the runners or, or mountain runners uh, ingested 120 grams per hour and they're generally a smaller body type and pretty pretty light around 60 to 65 kilos and it is possible and i think this is a fascinating thing because we were always thinking that's impossible and will lead to to distress in your in your intestine but it's it is actually possible. So this would be uh, around two two grams per kilogram uh, body weight per hour, and that's really a lot. And it is actually possible. So this is pretty fascinating. Yes, yes, definitely. And actually, just as a teaser for the listeners, I uh, hope to interview the lead author of that uh, particular study in the. Uh, in the coming coming weeks or so uh, when it will be released on the podcast we'll we'll see but but we're we've been in discussion and uh, we'll probably do an interview uh, pretty soon so i'm excited as well to to learn more about that yeah now uh what about in terms of the amateur cyclists and endurance athletes that you're helping just in general what would be your let's say top three pieces of advice uh, regarding nutrition for endurance athletes oh number one do not go low carb um because uh training quality will suffer from it and you the energy demands cannot be matched or is harder to match especially of course the carbohydrates uh, are missing so i don't think you have 
um, that good of adaptions uh, with low carb um, that it would be like reasonable to try it out. So this would be number one. Number two is fuel your uh, your rides properly. Most amateur riders do not fuel properly during training, especially with higher intensity rides. So try some rides with, as we said, 80 to maybe 100 grams per hour. On most rides, do around 40 to 60 grams per hour. And number three is um, do not overdo fasted training or train low things because it has to be really well monitored and uh yeah still carbohydrates are the the yeah it's it's kind of the same as point number one i would not do a lot of experimenting find out what works for you and follow that and do not try new things every other week yeah and and on that last point i I totally agree by the way and it's something that we talked about before on the podcast Uh, i just want to remind the listeners that even though there are some really interesting work done in the train low realm it's still sort of the jury is still kind of out on it in my opinion at least and you'll have a better uh knowledge of this than i do but i don't think there's like really a, a lot of good if any good performance evidence yet even though there's some really really interesting yeah. me- mechanistical uh evidence there that could make you take a reasonable guess that if there is good mechanistic adaptations then yes at the end of uh, in at the end of the day you might get some performance benefits that we haven't yet been able to measure but but the point is that so far it's really not been seen a lot at least in terms of uh, of uh, peer-reviewed studies that there are direct performance benefits even though there might be but we just haven't been able to observe them yet so so it's not uh, it it's the icing on the cake it's not the cake itself <laughs> yeah yeah exactly uh final question before we go into the rapid fire questions would be do you have any uh, recommendations in terms of books or podcasts or similar other resources that uh, on the topic of nutrition that you think would be good for for the listeners of the podcast yeah there's there's a good uh a blog um it's uh i think it's from berlin uh, i'm sorry i think it's only in german so far uh but um it's called idubilee.de and it's managed by a, a, a german biologist and he's really looking on metabolism and nutrition and training from a biological perspective always with uh with studies and i like that a lot and he also has a book that is pretty interesting his name is uh chris michalk um i don't know him personally but i discovered it this year and i read it uh frequently i have his books and i I really like those. All right, great, great advice. And for the blog, there's always Google Translate, so that's pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, now let's go into the rapid fire questions, and uh, the first one here. So take one sentence to to answer these questions, no more. And the first one is similar to the last question, but a bit different. This is what's your favorite book, blog, or resource related to endurance sports or nutrition or anything in that realm. I have one book that accompanied me in in the last 15 years. It's called Peak Performance by John Hawley and Louis Burke. I think it's uh, not longer available, but I have it at home. 
Mm. Yeah, uh, for some more recent work from them, they have both been guests on the on the podcast fairly recently within in twenty twenty. So uh, so the listeners can go and have a look at that. What's a personal habit that's helped you achieve success? Um, listening to my body and not following a training plan like one to one. And finally, who's somebody that you look up to or that has inspired you? Um, Tim Noakes. I heard him on a, on a, a nutrition conference in Mallorca. I do not agree with his uh, opinions all the time, but he's a really fascinating scientist. All right, perfect. And uh, finally, do you have any social media or website presence or anything like that that uh, you want to mention so the listeners can follow you and find you? I'm actually not a social media person at all. <laughs> so uh, um, I, I developed some products uh, that that fit to the the fueling during during training. If uh, if you're interested, you can can find this under my name. Um, but that's about it. I'm totally not a social media person. And sorry. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, no problem. Uh, that's that's totally fine. I'll find your website and put it in the in the show notes with yeah. with those products. It's uh, Ministry uh, of right. Nutrition. Yeah. Ministry of Nutrition. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much, Robert. Uh, it's been really interesting to hear uh, you share your uh, the insights from the from the Pro Peloton and and it, how nutrition works there. So uh, much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I hope that you enjoyed that interview. And as always, you can find the show notes on scientifictriathlon.com. We will have linked to related episodes, including interviews with John Hawley, Louise Burke, and uh, a research paper on the mountain marathon runners that consumed 120 grams per hour of carbohydrate during a race. And interestingly, I'm actually interviewing the, or I have interviewed uh, the main author behind that paper, and that uh, episode should be released in two weeks' time, I believe. But before that, on Thursday, we have another Q&A coming out as usual. And on Monday, I interview coach Wolfram Bott, who now works in a high-performance development center in Germany, but is also well-known for working with athletes like Niels Fromhold and the Raylert brothers in long-distance triathlon. So plenty of interesting uh, discussion topics with him next week. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you automatically get all the new episodes as they come out. And if you are looking for training plans or coaching services, do go to scientifictriathlon.com and check them out. Uh, we have something to offer for everybody, I believe, and uh, people are very, very happy with these products and services. So I think that you will be too. Finally, big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Go and get a free hydration plan and an estimate for how much you sweat and order electrolyte products to use in training and racing for 15% off with the promo code thattriathlonshow15. And thank you to Roka that you can find on roka.com. Check out their wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear, and prescription glasses and sunglasses and get 20% off your entire order with the promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving craft fun.